Praise God. How you doing, Freedom Center? Good, good. Pastor has had a little accident today. I told him I wouldn't hug him this morning because he's got a little bit of a sore shoulder there, and I like to give a big football hug there. Freedom Center, how are you doing this morning? Can we give God some praise in the house this morning? I'm Brian Pruitt. I am from the lovely sunny beaches of Saginaw, Michigan, and if you've been there, you know there are no sunny beaches in Saginaw, Michigan. I have with me today my beautiful wife, Delisha. Delisha, would you just wave at everyone there? We have been married, uh, this July will be 28 years, 28 years. You're going to clap for my 28, don't make me come down there. You're going to clap for my 28, yes you are. They're going to clap for that 28, oh yeah. We've been together for 31 years. She is my high school sweetheart, so we've been together. I've been following her around since we were 17. Some people call that stalking. I call it love, okay? Uh, we have four beautiful children. My oldest is at Central Michigan. She's 20. Uh, my second oldest is a senior, uh, getting ready to be a senior in high school. And then I told my wife, I said, we make beautiful children. We should have more. And my wife said, we can have more babies when you start having these babies. And she was all snappy with it too, okay? And I told my wife, I said, don't make me pray. My wife says, I don't care what you do, we ain't having no more babies. I prayed, she had a set of twins. That's the way that works. That's the way that works. Now at 50, every now and then, I will walk by her and say, Delisha, don't make me pray again. Don't make me pray again. Let's dive into God's word this morning. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We give you praise, honor, and glory. We thank you for what you've already started doing in this house and what you are going to do in this house. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said, amen. I want you to go with me to the book of Mark chapter 4, verse 35 uh, through 41. And I'm going to read a passage of scripture there for you. And out of this, I'm going to challenge you today to begin to think about how God may want you to give to touch the generation that you live in. Back at home in the city of Saginaw, I run a ministry also called Power of Dad. We work with fatherless young men and, and fathers. And what we teach them is 22 life skills that their dads were not there to teach them. And one of the major things we focus on is trying to teach people who live in a chaotic world how to find peace. And his name is Jesus. Amen. We see this in this passage of scripture. It says, when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. They left the crowd behind and they took him along in a boat just as he was. There were also other boats with them. A wild storm came up, waves crashed over the boat. It was about to sink. Jesus was in the back, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke, woke him up. They said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up and he ordered the wind to stop. He said to the waves, be quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Don't you have any faith at all yet? They were terrified. They asked each other, who is this? Who is this man? Even the wind and the waves, they obey him. Let me tell you about the world that we live in right now. The world that we live in right now, if we start back just from a few years, just a couple years ago, we were locked in our house. If you cut on the television today, what you will find is total chaos, unrest, people, a world that lacks peace. 
And today I want to talk to you about prayer that produces peace. If we are going to be kingdom builders, there has to be something that is different about me than the rest of this world. So while the rest of this world is stressed out, brother and sister, I have got to be able to walk in peace. I've got to be able to walk in peace. Because who wants my God if I'm stressed out just like they are? No, brother, you're stressed out just like I am. No, no, I need to walk and show up and be in peace. This is what Christ was offering mankind. And as kingdom builders, here's what we're offering. We're offering the peace of God. It says that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. That right there should have just gave them the clue that they were going to be all right right then and there. How many of you know that when God says we are going to go to the other side, guess where you're going? You're going to the other side. It does not matter what storm hits in the middle. It does not matter what happens here. We live in a world that is living right here in the middle. But as believers in God, as kingdom builders, we are standing on the word that he said we are going to the other side. And if he says we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side. It does not matter what's happening in this moment right here. I want you to notice that a few things are happening in this passage of scripture. Jesus uses an apparatus to do what he needs to do in this situation. He uses a boat. Now, I want you to understand something about that boat. That boat had to be built. That boat then was, that boat had to be bought. And that boat then was borrowed. Go ahead, clap. That was good. I'm going to give you one more chance. I'm going to hit the rewind button on that. We'll start this all over, okay? That boat, you got it this time. It had to be built. It had to be bought. And it had to be borrowed. I think I like these people. Three things happened that day. And I want you to understand something. What, you, what we don't keep in mind often when we read this story is where was Jesus going? Do you remember the story of the demoniac, the man who was possessed who lived in the tombs? Jesus took a boat that was built. How was somebody finances? Jesus took a boat and, and, and that somebody bought. Somebody bought that boat from the person who built it. Money, 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 money. It's happening. Jesus borrowed that boat to go reach one man and set him free. And according to scripture, when he set that man free, he left. In other words, he will do all of that, not only to save that one man, he will do all of that to save you as well. There were materials involved. There were finances involved. And there was salvation involved. And peace came. Let me tell you something about storms. We're living in a storm right now. But that does not mean you have to live in fear. Number one point that you see in storms that we're living in right now. Storms are unavoidable. They're unavoidable. You're not going to escape a storm. So here's what I'm going to do as a kingdom builder, as a believer. I am not just going to drown in this thing. I'm going to learn by the grace of God to surf through this thing. You can surf through it. Why? Because you're at peace. 
you know that he said we're going to the other side. And when you get to the other side, there's a purpose of why we have gotten there. I remember my friends, we went swimming one day where I went and, and, and we went to this class. I didn't know how to swim, and, and this time, here's what I did. I just, my friends were jumping in the deep end of the pool, so I jumped into the deep end of the pool, knowing I didn't know how to swim. By the time I jumped in, and before my feet hit the bottom, I was already out of air. I knew I was in trouble. I didn't have enough air to rake it back up, and I didn't have the experience in the thing that I was in. I was drowning. Some of you this morning, same thing is happening in your spiritual lives and definitely in people who are in this world. They are in the deep end of the pool and they don't know how to swim in it and they need a lifeguard, but sometimes that lifeguard has to get finances paid to get them to that place to make the rescue. My friends, on the other hand, they knew how to swim and they had went to swim class and it was interesting. They would jump in and, and what I would notice is their, their lifeguard would take these blocks and he would throw them in the deep end of the pool and he would have them jump in and they would go down and get those blocks and come up. And I said, why is he doing that? He says, oh, he's training our lungs. He's giving us experience. Let me tell you about every storm that you face. It's just training you for something. It's just training you for something. So in the midst of your storm, here's what I want you to remember. Don't panic. Just breathe. Don't panic. Just breathe. Say it with me. Don't panic, just breathe. Don't panic, just breathe. God knows exactly what he's doing in the midst of the storm. It's unavoidable. Let me tell you where the world is at. The people that were trying to reach through kingdom builders, all these different ministries that were mentioned to you here, they live in the midst of the storm. We do too. It's just how we respond to the storm. I'm in the storm like this. I'm singing in the rain, just singing in the rain. Listen, it's called peace. I can begin to pray and peace will come. How do I know why we can do this? Here's the message we get to send to the world. You can go and talk to the Father. You can give your life to Christ. You can go and talk to the Father. He will give you peace in the midst of your storm as well. And when you go to him, his son died for you. And because his son died for you, you now have access to the Father. And because you have access to the Father, you can walk in. And when you walk in, here's a beautiful thing. He hears you because he sees Jesus. you because he sees Jesus he is our righteousness he is our peace he is our king and he is our Lord it says leaving the crowd behind they took him along just as he was in a boat and there were other boats with him second point I want you to realize they weren't the only boat in the storm there were other boats but let me tell you what pain will do. Pain will make you believe that you are alone. You are not alone. This is a message that we as kingdom builders of the kingdom of God have to take to people. You are not alone. We live in a world that feels lonely. We live in a world that has been isolated, set apart. You are not alone. 
That's where I was at when Christ found me. I was sitting for months in my bedroom, one of the top athletes in the state of Michigan. I would come home every night. I was a homecoming king of my high school. I was a star of three different sports in my high school. I would come home, I would go to my bedroom, and I would weep like a baby. As I stand here before you today, I come from four, four generations of physical abuse and a murder. My great-grandfather, they called him blue, and they called him blue simply because he would beat his wife till she would turn black and blue. He would beat her till she would fall to the floor in convulsions, and after he was done beating her, he would begin to beat his children. My grandfather David made a promise to himself. He says, when I grow up, I'll never be like that. I'm going to make different choices than him. My grandfather grew up. He met a beautiful woman by the name of Rose who will become my grandmother. And he began to beat my grandmother. And my grandmother got smart. She got my father, his brothers and sisters. She escaped to the city of Detroit. And just when it looked like life was getting good, my grandfather decided to hunt them down. And the day he found them, he showed up with a gun. That day, my father, his brothers and sisters hid in the bathroom. And as they hid in the bathroom, my father clutched the mouths of his younger siblings because he was afraid that if they made one peep, one sound, one murmur, that the man that they should have been able to call dad, hero, just might come to that bathroom and take the life of his own children. On the other side of the door, they heard the sound that changed my family's life forever. Some of you sitting here right now, you have sounds that have changed your life forever. Some of them were positive sounds, people telling you what greatness, what was inside of you. Some of you negative sounds, things that broke you down that still have you possibly struggling as an adult today. I've come to tell you something. It's the message of a kingdom builder. You are not alone in the midst of your storm. Give God some claps in this place. Come on. That day, on the other side of the bathroom door, a gun went off. The sound of my grandmother's body hitting the floor was on the other side of that gun going off. My grandfather walked out of the house. My father, his brothers and sisters that came out to find their mother murdered. And as they began to wipe their own mother's blood from the floor, my father made the same promise his father made. When I grow up, I'll, I'll never be like that. But my father grew up. He met a beautiful young woman by the name of Joyce. That's my mama. And Joyce don't play. She don't play. But my father walked in the footsteps of the men before him. Drugs, alcohol, physically abusive towards my mother. And my mother did a wonderful thing. She got me and my sister out of a really tough situation. But how many of you know when you're going through things like that, you feel alone? Pain isolates. Remember the boat we talked about? It was built, it was bought, it was borrowed to get to an isolated person who had gone through pain. kingdom builders. It will take your finances to build this boat so someone can use it to go to those who think they are alone so that they can hear the message that there is peace found in Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, give God a hand clap in this place. You are not alone. 
And when you have peace, let me tell you what happens. You bring peace into chaotic situations. You walk into storms and storms begin to stop. Jesus was showing the disciples, this is what a kingdom builder looks like. You walk into a storm and the storm begins to stop. You walk into somebody's life and their life begins to change because you have brought the peace of Jesus Christ with you and you have walked into the room and the room should change because you walked into the room. A furious squall, wind came up and the waves broke over and filled the boat so that it nearly swamped, swamped and sank. Here's my third point. This ain't good grammar. Oh, but it's a powerful point. Nearly ain't good enough. It said that the boat nearly sank. Do you know how many people outside of this room right now, water's gushing into the boat. It's sinking slowly but surely. And they need a kingdom builder to show up. To let them know that just because the boat has been hit doesn't mean that it has to sink. That there's a God who loves them. My boat had been hit. Talk about October chaos and reaching young people. My boat had been hit. By the time I was a senior in high school, here I was with all these accolades and all these awards. Come home, colleges, letters would fall out of my mailbox and I hated who I saw in the mirror every single day. I would go to my room and weep like a baby and I would say this prayer. God, if you are real, make yourself known to me. What I remembered and the reason why I knew that prayer, prayer, I had been taught as a little boy that prayer could produce peace. You see, when I was a little boy, I met this coach when I was in elementary school. He wasn't just a coach. He was a Christian in disguise. He was a kingdom builder. And when I met this coach, I tried out for his basketball team. And that coach told me something one day after he pulled me off the court because I had gotten in three fights that day trying out for the basketball team. Yes, I was that kid. Give you some hope. We grew up to be okay. He says, you're a great athlete, but you're an angry person. He says, why are you so angry? I told him the story of my father. And he says, you need a mentor. From that day, he began to take me to different sporting events. And after every sporting event, he would say, Brian Pruitt, someday that's going to be you. And I'll be in the crowd. I'll be cheering you on. And I would, I would always say, that's not possible. And the reason why I said it wasn't possible, because I didn't know peace. I didn't know there was hope. I feel like the enemy had nearly snuffed out my family. But I was soon to learn that nearly ain't good enough. That Satan always makes a mistake. He's not a finisher. Jesus is the finisher. That's why he gets on the cross and says, Father, it is finished. Let me show you the difference between Jesus and the devil. Nearly ain't good enough to stop the plan of God. That man poured Jesus into my life. He told me how to find peace. And although it was many years later before I said the prayer that would produce that peace, it was the God he introduced me to that I began to call upon. 
because I was at the point of taking my life. The homecoming king of my high school. I said, I don't want to live anymore because I know how this story goes. For four generations, the men in my family, they grow up, they become monsters, they beat their wives, they terrorize their children, and then it just goes on and on and on. And I said, I, I don't want to be that guy, but I don't know how to stop from becoming that guy. I want peace. I want a chance to be a better man. mother and I got into an argument I ran to my front door that night I punched my front door I watched my front door crack in two and I turned around to find my mother on her knees and here's what she said go ahead and hit me you know that's what you want to do you're just like your father it was like someone had taken an arrow and just My mama wasn't saying she wanted me to be like my dad. What she was saying is, you got a choice to make tonight, son. Who you gonna be the rest of your life? I was looking for somebody with a boat. I was looking for somebody who had the ability to get me to the other side. The day I decided to take my life, I met a young man at the back door of my high school who went to an Assembly of God's church who was a part of a youth ministry there. His name was Jeff. And as I was heading out the back door of my high school, I wanted to hurry up and get home and take my life. And I said, can't you give me a ride home, Jeff? He says, yeah, sure, I'll give you a ride home. We get in his car, and he starts playing this loud Christian music. And I'm thinking, oh, great, this is the last thing I got to hear before I die. <laughs> he looks at me, and he says, Brian Pruitt, Jesus Christ loves you. And God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Now, I want you to understand something. Jeff has no idea that I'm headed home to take my life. Jeff has no idea what's been happening in my life for three months. Jeff does not know the story of my life. But Jeff is about to become the boat that gets me to the other side. He's a kingdom builder. I'm sitting in the car somebody built. I'm sitting in the car somebody paid for it. It wasn't Jeff. It was probably his parents. Jeff was broke. I said, Jeff, you, when Jeff said Jesus Christ loves you and God has a purpose and a plan for your life, I said, Jeff, will you shut up and take me home? That was my comment to him. I said, shut up and take me home. He says, okay, but I got to make a stop for my grandmother. He makes a stop for his grandmother, hops back in the car and says, Brian Pruitt, Jesus Christ loves you and God has a purpose and a plan for your life. I said, Jeff, will you shut up and take me home? He says, yeah, but I got to make a stop for my mom. He makes a stop for his mom. House back in the car. Brian Pruitt, God loves you. Jesus Christ has a purpose and a plan for your life. I said, shut up. Take me home, man. I didn't realize it was the boat I had been praying for. It had been built. Jeff convinced me to go to his youth group. I went with him that night. 
I gave my life to Jesus Christ that night at 18. I have never looked back. I've been serving Christ since I was 17, 18 years of age. And let me tell you what it has done for me. That kingdom builder bought a boat somebody built. Somebody bought. Somebody borrowed. And it led me to my father. And let me tell you how it changed the legacy of my family. So for the first time in four generations in my family, there is a woman who lives in a home where a man is not torturing her. For the first time in my family, in four generations on my father's side, there are children who are not terrorized by their father. And while my family knows the story of what happened in our family, they do not experience it. What do they experience? Peace. Because prayer produces it. But it's got to be connected to some kingdom builders. I stand before you today, I promise you, a walking miracle. You don't know how proud it makes me when I say I've been married to this beautiful woman for 28 years. Because I realize the miracle that it is. <laughs> Nearly ain't good enough, devil. You almost had me. But God. But God. But God. But God found some kingdom builders. But God found someone who was willing to speak. But God found someone who was willing to step out. But God was found someone who was willing to pay the price so that others might know Jesus Christ. But God found someone. Ask you a question this morning, Freedom Center. Are you that one? Are you that one? That coach who gave me a great example, I remember the day I watched him walk away from a six-figure salary to work at an elementary school to reach kids for Jesus. I asked him, why would you do that? I know you don't have much. He was poor in the physical, but rich in the spiritual. I said, why would you do that? He says, because I know what God told me to do. I said, well, what did he tell you to do, be broke? I'm a little boy asking this question. He says, no, God told me to work at that school to reach those kids because those kids are going to reach the nation. Kingdom builder. The day he died, right before he died, I said, coach, I could wish I could pay you back for everything you did for me. He said, you can and you will. I said, how was that? He said, I want you to find kids like you and I want you to do for them what I did for you. Your turn to build the kingdom, Brian. Your turn to go take peace, Brian. And out of that prayer and out of that challenge, the peace that was born was our ministry power of dad where we bring peace to households because we give them fathers who will lead their family.
piano lady. They told me I could say it that way. Here's how I want to wrap this up. Nearly ain't good enough. Jesus says something that changes everything. He stands up and he says, peace be still. These are the words that he has given to us as kingdom builders. That we can walk into situations and we can say, peace be still. And sometimes that peace is made still this way. And sometimes it's made this way. And sometimes it's through the work of our hands. But it always takes some form of giving my time, my ability, my talents, my finances, my heart, my mind, my mouth, my feet to go. Kingdom. Kingdom. It is interesting to me that when Christ says, peace be still, the Greek word for this is simply this. It's siapio. And what it means is this. It means this. It means that Christ stood up and he did this. It means to go shh. Could you imagine Christ standing up in that boat and looking at the storm and going, shh, shut your mouth. Be still. Because you see, storms talk. They start talking doubt. I, I don't think we're going to make it, Lord God. I, 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 don't, I don't see how my family's going to make it. I, I don't think my marriage is going to make it. I, I, don't, I don't think my kid's going to make it home. Lord God, I don't know if I'm going to survive what happened to me in my childhood. Lord God, let me tell you what happened to me when I was six years old and when that happened in this. I don't know if I'm ever going to survive from these things. I, I, God, I don't know. I don't know. subsided they had the nerve to say who is this man he's the same man who been with you the whole time his name is Jesus Jehovah Nisi the Lord our banner the rose of Sharon and I don't even know Sharon the king of kings the lord of lords strong and mighty in battle kingdom builders it is your moment and it is your time in history the time is ripe and it is right now to unleash the peace that Christ has given us to this world and I challenge you in whatever fashion and form that he gives you to do that today I pray that you understand somebody has to build the boat. Somebody has to buy the boat. Somebody will borrow the boat. But it all takes finances, time, and commitment. Right where you're at, every head bowed. If you say, Brian Pruitt, I want to know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I can't leave this stage without having an opportunity to build that kingdom. Right where you're at, if you say, Brian, I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, but I want to know him. This morning, if that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you're at? Just wave at me. Is that anybody this morning? Praise God. Is that anybody? 
Father God, we pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ for every son and daughter in this house. We love you, Lord Jesus Christ. We give you praise, honor, and glory, Lord God. We thank you for who you are, Lord Jesus. And if there's anybody here this morning, God, who just said, Lord God, that's me today. I pray that right now you would fill their heart, Lord Jesus Christ. We welcome them into the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. Come on, can we thank Pastor Brian for that message this morning? Wow. That, I believe that's one of the best messages ever preached at Freedom Center Church. How many of you guys agree with that? Sometimes, sometimes people talk and they're like, hey, God's going to do this great thing. You just sit and do nothing. Sometimes people preach sermons like, hey, you got to do everything and God's going to clap for you when you do it. But I love what today's message had is there's a partnership in there. It's not just God doing something or you doing something. It's, it's a co-mission. I, I think about it. I've been really enjoying Genesis lately. I don't know why. It's, I read it first. It's right there, you know. But the first two, three chapters of Genesis, it just, I just see so much of today and what's right and what's wrong in the first three chapters. I've just been reading it, parts of it over and over and over again and enjoying it. And this is, this is something that comes to my mind. You know, in the beginning, God creates what? You know, the heavens and the fairly substantial task. You tracking? Fairly substantial task. And then he separates and he makes lights and he makes vegetables and he makes plants. He, listen, and here's my question. If God makes this stuff so simply and everything that is, it was created over six days and on the seventh day he rested, not that he was tired from speaking a handful of words, but, you know, not that whatever you're tired, he's an infinite God. But, but I just look at it and go, if God, if you can build all this stuff, why is it that the Bible is filled with stories like, like building the walls, rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem. I mean, if you can make the heavens and the earth by saying, let them be, then why didn't you just say to, you know, Israel, like, hey, I'm, I'm done, the punishment, the discipline, the pain, you've learned your lesson, and just go whamma jamma, and also the walls pop up, and the gates are on there, and it's perfect. Why, why don't you do these great things? And I guess my question is this, why do you keep using people to do great things? And, and I, I felt like the Holy Spirit just said this to me, and maybe this will help you today. I, God doesn't use people to do great things. God uses great things to build people. If you would have just established those walls, an enslaved people would have gone in there and turned over their heritage to whoever came to conquer them next. They had to learn to trust God. They had to learn what they could do as a community. They had to learn who was for them and who was against them. And that, that process of that great thing just filtered all that out and made it work the way it was. Now, I just, I want to say this to you, and then we're going to receive your pledge for kingdom builders, your offering for kingdom builders. But how many of you guys know there's a lot of complaining going on in the world right now? Yeah, you may have noticed because you listened or saw or talked to somebody. Um, it's shocking that wherever I go in the world, I feel like, oh, America, oh, Americans, oh, your politics, oh, your media, oh, your capitalism, oh, your socialism. How many of you know that it's time for people to stop griping about stuff and start doing something about stuff? So the reaction of, I'm, in, I'm furious about this, I'm enraged about this, our, our little slacktivists with their powerful thumbs complaining about things as if they're changing the world. Listen, your thumbs won't change much, but your hearts and your hands will. 
So the, the initial outrage at what's happening in our schools, okay. But what if we provided something for kids that rivaled what's happening in the schools? Called a youth ministry, called October Chaos, where hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids will fill this room and they'll hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They'll hear sermons by Brian Pruitt and other people that will come and, and it'll be their moment that they went to their youth group and they met their Jesus. Does this make sense? So we can complain about stuff. I think we should be active in our communities, but understand this. Talking about what's wrong is not fixing what's wrong. Outrage about what's wrong is not fixing what's wrong. How do we fix what's wrong? We've got to engage in what's wrong and show people what's right. How many of you guys know Jesus can beat the devil in a fair fight? Jesus can beat the, the kingdom of God, can beat the kingdom of darkness in a fair fight? We've got ECO, Engage Community Organization, another place this offering is going to. They walk into the public schools and they are welcomed participants, partners. I've been with them as they go to Linden and we walk into the high school. How many of you know, like in high school, you got to be careful what you say. They said, hey, hey, Pastor Jim. Like, first of all, they called me pastor. Hey, Pastor Jim, would you do the why is greater than what teaching for our seventh grade and eighth graders? Are you telling them about their passion, pain, proficiency, how their creator made them to do something? I said, will that get anybody in trouble? They said, well, if it does, it'd be you. You don't have to be here, you know? So let's, let's go in there and do that. Now other schools are saying, can you come do for us what you guys have did, did, done, did it for, for Linden? What I'm saying is this, guys, we've got October Chaos, we've got Eco, and believe it or not, I know I just got my tan on, like we got back to school coming up. We can say all oh, those bad teachers that do those bad things. Dave Cromer, those bad, he's a teacher. Those bad teachers that wear those bad badges and do those bad. How many of you guys know that there are a lot of great teachers that just need some support from a great community that loves them and that they love our kids? So we can complain about what's wrong and we can curse the darkness or we can just light a candle and start walking into the darkness. And that's what Kingdom Builders allows us to do. I'm grateful for every chair that you're sitting in because before somebody paid for it, it was a dream of somebody else. I'm grateful that Pastor Burke had the vision to buy a, a 10 uh, acre gravel pit that the KKK used to burn crosses on and people like my own family members used to come here and make out with their pimply faced boyfriends. No offense, mom, but that's what Aunt Janet told me. I'm just saying, I'm not saying who it is in my family. But if you're at the Linden campus today, the Grand Blank campus today, you're in Pontotoc, Mississippi today, you're here today, you're listening to this on the radio today, understand this. I, I think for far too long, we felt that cursing the darkness was our ministry and it's not. None of us are called to curse darkness. We are here to advance light. So if you would please, in that envelope in front of you, there's something in the chair. I'm gonna ask everybody to grab one, every family grab one right now. Don't do anything on it, don't write, don't worry about it. You say, I'm just a student, maybe my mom will do it. Just grab it. Because one way or another, I think it's important that we exercise faith. In this envelope, it's got some boxes to check, some information, cash check, card, bank withdrawal, credit, debit cards, accounting numbers. Um, is there a text to give option, babe? Anything that's simpler? No. That big number that's on the screen behind me, thank you. Stuff that is easier, I, I wouldn't do this because it's just too many steps. But those of you who are like S's and C's in the disc assessment, you'll love this. All the I's and the D's, come on, it's a text number there. But I, I believe that our goal this time around, we, four times a year we do this, is for $25,000. And last year, $580,000, is that right? Is that number close? Came in through Kingdom Builders. That's the gas we put in the van last year. So this is kind of a small installment, but don't mistake this like being you're not needed, but this is an opportunity because out of this, so many great things can come. 
I'm going to pray. I'd ask you guys, the lights are going to stay up. We're going to play a video report of our last offering that we received for Kingdom Builders, talking about Vacation Bible School. Some people call it Explore Camp, we called it. You're going to see that video of what God did during Explore Camp, and it was, it was an amazing time, and I thank you for your investment in those students. We can be all upset about the public schools, or we can be in the public schools changing lives. We can be all upset about politics, all upset about the world. I get it. It's upsetting. But being upset doesn't change anything but the negativeness of our hearts. Like, let's, let's be proactive. Amen? So I'm going to pray, fill out this stuff. And you say, listen, I, I'm not in a position to give right now. As a matter of fact, or maybe I don't feel the Holy Spirit wants me to give right now. But I'm going to put my signature on this. I'm going to put my name on this. And I'm going to let you know I'm going to be praying because October is coming and kids will be in this room by the hundreds. Be praying because back to school is coming in August which is just next month we do our back-to-school rally. How many guys like that announcement should be brought to you by some sort of antidepressant? Right? Brought to you by Prozac. Thanks for serving, you know. But we're going to be going back to school. Make sure kids have what they need. Teachers and classrooms have what they need because we should not be known for what we're against as much as we're known for who we're for. How many guys are for school teachers? Man, I am, right? How many guys are for the business community? How many guys are for getting into schools and getting into business. How many guys are, are for um, sending teachers in October? How many guys are for this next generation? They're in another room right now, but like, I'm for them. I am absolutely for them. I have to be because if they don't make a lot of money and pay Social Security, I can't retire. So I'm for them for a variety of different good reasons. Are you ready? Fill that out. We, we pray right now together that God will do something great. We're going to watch this video and then I'll dismiss you. You guys glad you came to church so far? Me too. So Father... For every person that saw a vacant field and, and imagined a building, every person who gave towards the building of that building, every person that, that saw it full of chairs and full of people and full of kids, full of worshipers at an altar. I remember standing right about where I'm standing right now, where a friend of mine who now stands in your presence was all excited because he said, this is the spot where so many will give their life to Jesus, where generations yet unborn will learn to worship their God. He was so excited to sweep that floor that day. Underneath this carpet, there's a scripture he wrote about being grateful. I thank you for people who can see things that are invisible, who can touch things that are intangible, that can believe things that are impossible, not just with their mouths, but with their hands, their hearts, their feet, their cars, their boats, <laughs> their checkbook, their time. God, let us be a church that believes in you, believes in each other, and believes that a world needs to be reached by people that believe. So bless this offering, these faith promises now. May I meet the need and so much more. Get us ready for whatever's coming, God. Whatever's coming, may there always be enough meat in the house of God to feed those who are hungry, to clothe those who are naked, to help those that are going through difficult times. And we love you. We thank you for the money is gone that we get to enjoy now with this report. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. The buckets are coming back, I believe. So those who are in charge of buckets, you're gonna distribute those and fill that out. And when you're done, we'll, we'll put those in the buckets together and be dismissed.